resilience perfectly patterned particles push perpetually emerging emancipated elated enthusiastic pushing proudly up through layers upon layers of denial past denaturing chemicals and excessive heat calls emerge triumphant blatant refusal to be ignored blatant defiance of standards despite countless chemicals and insensate heat calls return a complexly simple statement and reminder of identity our hair is as our land is and is as we are ever beautifully resilient hello there my name is nyamishana welcome to nyamishana's podcast today i am super super honored to host an linda namudu to talk about the politics of natural hair hi an hello prue how are you I am very excited to be hosted on Nyamishana's podcast. I am an ardent listener oh, and a friend. Wow. Oh wow. Mm. That that gives me morale to keep going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah those days I, I I just went to just throw in the towel and I'm like is anyone listening? <laughs> oh, we are out here listening. Okay, good. Uh so who is who is this Anlinda? Well, Anlinda is um a Ugandan girl and uh who ends up living through writing okay. uh, even though her academic background is in social work and social administration mm-hmm. and whose writing is um motivated by her interests in feminism because I am a radical feminist okay. and um social issues around gender and the african identity are you a natural too yes i am um, yeah. my natural hair has its own character and sometimes mm. like when i'm looking at the mirror it is talking back to me and yeah. sometimes it is it is fine i am loving it i i am receiving the compliments both the good ones and the toxic ones um, yeah and other days the hair stay, stares at me and it's like i i am a, i am a person of my own just just be you know and uh, yeah. so i have learned to love my hair the way it is tell me your hair story Oh well my hair story starts like the story of many girls in Uganda and that is with a bald head uh-huh. um and it's kept that way it's kept that way through you know like shaving machines and because i was born in the 90s and that was a time before machines where i think i don't know whether they were not in Uganda or my school was just broke but they used to <laughs> shave our heads uh with a comb and a razor blade Oh my and um like yeah like so many Ugandan girls going through the boarding school system and the government school system uh your hair is kept up to uh, like half an inch until you finish uh secondary education where you start growing it in your form 6 vacation 
So that was my story. So I start my natural hair journey in Form 6 vacation. And of course, I, I started with these visions of Rampanzo, you know. You want your hair to be like a ladder people can climb to Prince Charmings and Princess Charmings can go up um, your tower. And uh, or if I had the vision of natural hair and I wanted to have natural hair, my idea was of like, mixed race hair like the goal was to have curls like alicia keys or yara shahidi today mm. um yeah but those nine months of form six vacation trips to the saloon and sitting in between salon women's legs with my butt from eight in the morning up to like 10 in the night having my hair braided the pain of hot combs and you walk from the saloon to home and your hair has already shrunk yeah. by the time i was done with that period i knew why people treat their hair and so i also made the decision to uh retouch do what they call retouch which is get a palm or alter my hair permanently mm -hmm. and of course after that uh after that alteration I, I thought, who would go back to natural hair with this ease of combs, with this, with this ease of combing, with this ease of maintenance, you know, the regular salon visits that are pampering until where you're pampered, you know, your hair is washed. And it's one of the few times when you get some like TLC that is not generated by you. Well, until, of course, the chemicals start burning you and jolt you back into the reality that is womanhood and African existence. Mm. Um, yeah, but I, I thought that I was going to keep my hair straight forever. Mm. But what happened is after, uni like, in Tadi University, there is something that happens to a lot of girls. They cut their hair. I still don't understand what it is, but a lot of Tadia students used to cut their hair or after university. I guess my theory is that they are either over everything, they are over the long hair thing, yeah. and they are most of it is tired anyway from the chemicals and the exhaustion of like the salon trips. But in my case, um, it was compounded by the fact that I was done with university and I no longer had money to maintain my hair from pocket money. And because your parents are sort of done with you, like they don't say it, but it's like, like <laughs> covert, uh, a, a covert message that, you know what, we are no longer going to pay for your expenses. You have gotten an education, get a job and start uh, taking your life in your own hands. And of course, um, it, it suited me then to have short hair and to even be natural. And again, I was launched back into the struggles of having natural hair, of like the pain of combing, the, the itchy scalp, the confusion about the, the ugliness that I, uh, that I perceived of yeah. my natural hair. Like it's my natural hair is brown. So a lot of for a lot of people they find it unpalatable to their eyesight and there's constant pressure to straighten it because brown hair looks better that way. Mm. But my redemption came in form of a girl that I met in Ochumi supermarket back when it used to exist. Mm -hmm. She had this beautiful natural hair that I later understood her style was a twist out. It was kind of like raggedy, but so chaotically beautiful that I was compelled to break the social norm of not talking to strangers by mm -hmm. saying your hair is so beautiful and that just led us into 
like led me to a crash course on natural hair and the maintenance of it she even gave me a short tutorial on how to make a twist like a twist in my natural hair supermarket and and yeah, in the supermarket like we're in front of this uh delicatessen like where they sell uh, you know snacks in the supermarket and I, I just poured out my heart about my struggles and she told me i understand i understand everything i've been there but she told me the most important thing that changed my changed my life uh, and that was she told me there is actually a lot of literature that has been written by women of african descent or black women about the care of natural hair it's in blogs and essays and articles she gave me some names that i forgot then but at least she told me go to the internet and read about every single problem that you have and you'll slowly find your way and she told me just take it easy read it will all come to you and read is what i did and um you know like fast forward eight years later because i've been an, a, a natural for eight years since what they call the big chop uh i i have become independent of saloon care like i don't go to the saloons i've become independent of braiding and of weaves i live with my hair i care for it myself nourish it myself style it myself i whether it's for special occasions whether it's for work it's whether it's for ordinary uh, days and that has made me uh, a typical like an og the original gangster of natural hair and yeah. an advocate uh who also is holding a lot of people's hands on their natural hair journey and mm -hmm. i find myself on your podcast talking about this topic that i've become so passionate about so I, that is my story wow your story is cool i i will not share mine because i have shared my natural hair um story in tidbits in this podcast <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> yeah um I, I would like to talk about african women's self-love natural hair mm. you know we natural hair naturalistas tend to be self-righteous and, and yeah. sometimes uh judge and say oh i i am the i'm the i'm the best version of you know african woman because once yeah. you start loving your hair then there's some self-righteousness that comes with it but before even we get to the self-righteousness let's talk about the self-love and not your hair because mm -hmm. because um when you're going when you're passing downtown around uh, mm. what is that um, mall uh, that's a land <laughs> the women yeah. even if you have just finished curling your hair twist a uh, twist yeah. out you'll be like yeah saloon every time like come on ladies yeah can't yeah. my hair a break where where does this um hate for natural hair another example i want to give you is i have tested this theory and um maybe i should even write a thesis around it when yeah when, when you have like washed your hair and this say oiled it and not done anything to it and then you just mm. go window shopping uh in kampala mm. women uh, uh people in shops don't pay a lot of attention to you because they associate uh, natural hair with being broke yeah yeah, yeah? Uh, have you faced yeah. that of course um um okay i, I don't know should i respond first to no, the self love no. or should i respond about the stereotype of brokenness because uh, so they're all elaborate topics everything. yeah yeah 
Okay, let me start with, uh, I think, self-love, yeah? Um, whenever I think about my natural hair, I, I remember, and, and like the attitudes that it, it solicits from family, from society, at work, downtown, from random strangers, friends, and uh, people. I, I It just brings a... Uh, uh, to mind a certain poem. I, 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 I like reading poetry and also writing it, but Wasan Shire is a, a Somali poet who wrote about uh, the problems of, I think, immigration. Yeah. So there's this poem of hers called At the Deportation Center, where she has a line in one of her poems that goes, um, I do not know where I'm going, where I have come from is disappearing. I am unwelcome and my beauty is not beauty here. Yeah. And for me, um, this is something that I've, exp it's funny that I'm an African, I am a Ugandan and I'm living on a continent with people whose hair everywhere here is similar to mine. But even in this place, my hair's beauty is not beauty here. Yeah. And so to have to proceed with natural hair in this kind of society where the other day I was actually at where, where you just mentioned, Gazalan, and this random man selling socks on the street sells, tells me, go to and, and you know, so I go into a shop, I wanted to buy some things and I come back and I and then he says again after like 30 minutes. And he says again, which means I told you do not pass here with that hair again. Like do not walk what? the street with that hair again. I, I had just, a, yeah, I just had a, a wash and go that I had, you know, styled in a way that only natural hair people, I guess, understand. Mm -hmm. And and this, his, like this is the attitude that I've experienced over and over. When I was working in uh, my at my first job, it was a medical research organization, and mm. people were confused. It was in the village, in a rural area. You would think that people in the rural area are closer to, like, <laughs> the nature than people in the urban centers. But no, actually, those people are very aspirational. Like the women there, they'll do their hair when they are going for burials. Like they'll go to the saloon to get a retouch and a palm just to get go to the burials. They'll not have food to eat, but they'll braid their hair. So um, to appear there with your natural hair um, was baffling to them. And one time, these men in my office gave me money and told me, you know, you women, you say that if you men don't give you money to take care of your hair. So it seems you, you lack someone to give you money for hair. Here is money. Go and treat your hair. Wow. And uh, around in my family, like at family gatherings, um, my aunts have told me, but why don't you take care of yourself? Like, who, who is going to marry oh, you? Like, cool. look nice. And this constant bombardment and attitude, they tell me, you dye your hair. Your brown hair is really unpalatable. You have to have a lot of self-love to yeah. actually proceed with this hair on your head that solicits such um, such an attitude, you know, because it constantly, yeah, it, it constantly places you in a place of self-doubt and drives you towards self-hatred. And uh, the easiest thing to do, of course, to stop these comments is to go and treat your hair, is to go and braid your hair. But um, you... It, it takes a lot of investment in in like your own happiness and your own sense of purpose of like why you're doing something yeah. and to, to to move with natural hair in our society i think both abroad and even here at home on the continent right 
Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um let's talk about uh the the perceived rebellion of wearing natural hair in a society that constantly tells you that it does not belong is still revolutionary. What do you think of this statement? Of course, wearing natural hair, and, and it's sad. I don't even say it with pride. It is sad that um, being yourself is resistance. Because resistance is not an easy thing. It means going against the grain. It means swimming against the tide. It's in, it means swimming upward in a river that's flowing downwards. It is hard and it's tasking and it's costly on one's mental health and even like existence. But um, of course, wearing natural hair is resistance to white imperialism because the, the standard of beauty for natural for, for hair is straight blonde hair mm-hmm. and if uh, if at all it moves towards the curly it's ringlets and you know like that still very eurocentric something closer to white and straight than closer to natural yeah. and um white imperialism and colonialism has set a standard of of not just of beauty in natural hair but of what civility looks like like when people see um natural hair or curly nappy hair they think of it as unkempt they think of it as um wanting in civility like the hair of madness and mad people mm-hmm. and it has also uh, this colonialism and imperialism has also set, set a standard on what professionalism looks like and still professionalism right. indicates the white image that slicked back um pin straight natural hair i mean pin straight hair so that you can be taken seriously because you seem to have your affairs in order you yeah. know yeah. and so uh, to 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 continue wearing one's uh, afro or one's dreadlocks um as they are and not probably even have nothing back nothing slicked back is to resist this this mentality and this establishment yeah so let's talk about uh um the freedom of wearing natural hair <laughs> yeah yeah you know there uh, you know there is a, a <clears throat> There is like a, a stereotype about uh, wh- wh- there is a common like stereotype that natural hair is hard to maintain and it's hard to look after and it's tough to you know like to put in order, which I disagree with as a person who has been natural for eight years and I will risk um, speaking for this as as if like i have everybody's experience like you know like as if my experiences um can be everybody's experience or can be everyone's reality yeah. i have found it liberating to actually have natural hair i'm a la- i happen to be a lazy person like a person who likes ease mm. i also happen to have a tender scalp and i remember in my saloon days the saloon women always complained that i have a change meaning i'm i'm spoiled you know like i'm a brat like I, I can't my tolerance for pain is so low that i would cry and they'd bring me panadol and i'd cry for my mother like in the heat like when i'm in the that dryer when the chemicals start burning when they are pulling someone pulls at my temples i'd cry and one of the reasons that has kept me out of the natural 
hair, I mean, that hair salons has been because to avoid that pain and I've successfully avoided it. Yeah. I wash my hair with as much gentleness as my scalp demands. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel pressurized every month to put aside money to go to a salon. Like it has afforded me some, like it's one less um, economic burden I, I have to bear. You know, like um, I've, I, it has freed me from the jaws of capitalism. Yeah, you know, today, like you have your hair, you treat it today, then next time you have to retouch. Then after, um, otherwise it's going to break. Then you go to braid your hair, and it hurts. But then you have to repair the braids when you're going for a wedding. Otherwise, you know. But it has afforded me such freedom in I do my hair when I feel like I do it according to my skills, according to which are very limited by the way for like a long term natural. Mm-hmm. And um I, I I am free to touch even my hair. Like I, I remember th- there was a time when I just started being natural. Um I was so particular i wanted it to be neat because i had that mentality of i wanted people to take me seriously and not to think i'm unkempt and um i don't care for myself i've let myself go but then one time i found words to be very liberating so i read this quote of uh, a, a poet and a writer called halil gibran who said and don't forget that the wind longs to fill your hair and the soils long to fill your bare feet and that thing about the wings long to to feel to, to run through your hair, it made me realize that I do not have to be constantly detached from nature or from my environment in the sense that I don't have to overprotect my hair from I don't know being dismantled by my daily life because I'm trying to maintain a certain standard, and that was so liberating. And I've taken that liberation into my hair. I allow people to touch my hair if they want to touch it. When it rains, I don't, you know, cry or refuse to walk to where I want to if it's not going to be a bother to me because I fear my hair is going to get wet. When I don't have uh, money uh, to, like the money that would have gone to a salon, like it, it, not having done my hair doesn't limit me from doing things. Doesn't limit me from swimming. It doesn't limit me from going to a fancy ball. It doesn't limit me from standing in the rain, you know, that's the freedom I think I'm talking about. Economic freedom, but also mental freedom and also freedom from pain and yeah. unnecessary suffering in the name of beauty. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. love, actually, I love Najar hair. I love the way it looks on, 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 on African women. Um, I was yeah. married, I traveled to Accra. I think that was like two years ago and mm. we were at a meeting and, um, the head of Airtel in Accra was a woman yeah. who was wearing mm-hmm. her hair natural. Forget about uh, most like ministers in Uganda. It is either a cut, a French cut, yeah. knit. No, she was wearing yeah. the way I usually wear my hair. And I'm like, yeah. she was being listened to. She was smart. No one was questioning her intellect. And I'm like, yeah. yes, uh, I, I give it up for Ghanaian women. You have led the this struggle. So can we talk yeah. about the hair, uh, natural hair revolution in Uganda itself? Um, the natural hair revolution in Uganda. Well, it's, I, I will stand to be corrected, but I think the movement has cropped up um, in like five years ago. I would date it back to, I think, Afrozan or something like that. And natural, the, the, 
when salon natural hair salons came to Uganda or cropped up in Uganda and that's when it seems that people suddenly started embracing or black women in Uganda or women in Uganda started embracing natural hair because they had a support system, you know, someone who promises to help to demystify this thing that they view as complex, which is their hair. And uh, they, they took to them. My fault with them is that they are quite expensive. But again, I don't quite fault them because their pool is small. But the movement seems to be steadily growing, especially with social media and uh, with thought leaders in that community cropping up and providing solutions to women who have natural hair and are trying to manage it on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, we have our own products now uh, being made here, like the companies like... Um, Livara and Kentaro are addressing, are, are, are making products towards natural hair. So that that really helps. But uh, I think my my disturbance, oh, like I'm disturbed by the fact that it's still being called a trend. You know, like when you meet people and they compliment you in their hair, like eh, your hair is nice. You know, this days natural hair is trending. I don't like to hear the word trend because. Um, this is, it's like saying, oh, your eyes are beautiful, eyeballs are in trend. Like, if, like, hair is a natural part of, like, human bodies or, like, yeah. a lot of creatures. And, and its natural state should not be a trend, but rather the norm. A everything else, a weave should be a trend. Uh, passion twists should be a trend, but natural hair should not be a trend. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it's right now being seen as a trend, but I have faith that, um, with these support systems growing and this uh, movement on education about natural hair um, taking root here, it's going to surpass that trend thing and it will become, it, it will come home and be exactly where it was supposed to be, which is the norm. How mm. do we, I don't know if it is in our power, but how do Africans, mm. people who are listening to this podcast, Stop vilification mm. and policing of African hair because you touched it in your story about your hair. The patriarchy yeah. also thrives mm. in wanting to control how women wear the hair. Yeah. Mm. So how mm. do we educate ourselves, but also the people around us to, to is, I don't know, is there any amount of education that works? How do we stop the vilification of African hair? Um, well, I do not have a solution to like everything, but um, for me, one of the things that I think I'll begin with what helped me change besides that girl's uh, story, what has helped me accept my natural hair because it has been a journey, not only accept it, but embrace it and then eventually even love it, um, has been an education about where these attitudes towards my body and body parts of myself like my my hair come from and that it comes from um there are residues of colonialism and white imperialism wow. I, I i once read a book uh, by alex haley called roots and the the story that runs in there is the story of how basically black americans came to be where they are you know like the journey of slavery and how they let go of their names and even to the point of how they started 
treating their hair black women started treating their hair it was because um you as an effect of rape from their the slave masters they they produced these mixed race people who had hair that was in between black and in between white but closer to white and so these mixed race people started having more access to like things opportunities from like you know longer as a slave working in the field you're now working in the master's house so you have so you've been um, elevated your race has been elevated yes yes you have like your standard of living suddenly raises and um this this of course made black women to start um they they invented potato lye making that chemical that from potato sweet potatoes that would straighten their hair so that they kind of disguise their identity or it starts it stops and their hair stops announcing them loudly in rooms mm. you know and in places and so coming in the in between them and opportunities and their upward and onward mobility yeah. and uh when i read that book it it helped me understand why i desired rampanzo's hair you know in the fairy tale and why um in doing my hair my goal is for it to look like alicia keys or mariah carries or mixed race or half caste kids as we used to call them mm-hmm. and eventually when i i learned from um history like especially black american history because these guys have really put a foundation on like identity like the literature and their struggle and everything it's something for us to work on um but during the civil rights era in the 1950s and 1960s there was this insurgence of like like uh, of, of black people who are reclaiming their identity and were refusing to assimilate uh, into whiteness and saying you know what we'll look as the way we look and you will respect us and you'll give us what is ours and this uh, gave rise to the afros in the black panther movement and this mm-hmm. this embracing this aggressive this aggressiveness you know of reclaiming back your identity and assertion of yourself in an environment that refuses to accept you and uh, that that being said i think that would be my remedy also for uh here at home for ugandan girls for african girls or african women or african people on the continent uh, in accepting natural hair you have to understand that there is a reason that you feel the way you feel about your hair yes. and uh you, th- there is a reason you think that your kaweke is ugly you there's a reason you think that your hair is tough it is tough because you're holding it to a, a white standard where you run a comb through it and it's supposed to glide through um you it is tough to mean it's expensive to maintain because you are believing consumerist capitalist culture that creates product for you and an ideal to live up to products that don't work by the way or that whereby you have to harm yourself like burn your scalp or even get get wounds and scabs just to have straight hair or to have curly hair or to have your a slicked back ponytail um you have to understand that this attitude comes from somewhere and you have to go back into history to find where you lost yourself or where your people lost your identity mm-hmm. and reclaim it and accept yourself so for me and uh, the solution would be a re-education of of, of like people about african history mm. it would be the solution would be um to advocate for 
a decolonization of the mind of like right. distancing yourself from how you understand things today because it it is it is it is poisoned by by colonialism you think your hair is tough to comb why are you combing it even like it is curly you want it straight and that is why it hurts you because it's like you're correcting something that is grows in a different way and they're trying to make it into a different way to fit a certain standard that is why it's painful it is expensive because you're trying to get it into a standard that requires a lot of money and a lot of uh hurdles to jump to get it to that place so an education about african history would really correct this mindset and it would trickle into things as trivial as 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 hair um also support systems i think the other thing is support systems um like i said the literature that has been left by black women growing their hair both on the african continent and in the diaspora has is what educated me and liberated me and so um having natural hair salons for instance is a great move and i think they should continue and crop up even more yeah. uh, so that black women can have a place to go because if you go to the regular salons um they'll tell you the first thing they tell you is you have natural <laughs> your hair is too compact it's too what they add money more money they don't even they treat it like it's straight hair they get shocked when it, when they wash it and it shrinks they pull at it with a small tooth comb like so natural hair salons that understand the principles and tenets of uh, black or african hair are a good start because they are going to help a lot of women uh, manage their hair and also grow healthy hair until they can handle it on their own so for me that would be my solution education uh, on african history and a return to um our identity and knowing where it went wrong mm-hmm. but yeah as you were speaking i'm thinking um yeah. what if we documented stories of of ugandan women and their natural hair journey for the generations mm. to come i think that would be uh if you're a listener and you want to take on this project please go ahead <laughs> um sorry yeah. do how i wonder how much time we have because i want to say something about um please go ahead yeah i, I want to say something about what for me what motivates me because a lot of people ask me like how do you manage yeah. why why do you even suffer why do you bother because it has even become like you know and and for me when i'm wearing my natural hair i it's like i've i've made a commitment to myself to show up as i truly am wherever i am regardless of the climate you know and wearing my natural hair for me uh means that i have committed to truth and authenticity especially in this world that is inclined to superficiality you know like in on social media it's like there is uh there is this pressure to just conform to um a deceptive like look of your like what what is true to you is less desirable in in society's eyes and it will be you'll be penalized for it you know like if you're wearing your natural hair um and you go for a job uh maybe you you're like a banker they're going to take a banker who probably treated her hair someone who, in the panel who 
someone who is interviewing for the same job yeah. uh, who has treated their hair or who has braids because they think they suit the corporate image you know and that's how you miss out on on work and a source of income um it's even in love or in relationships um the attitudes of men and even women towards natural hair is you have let yourself go uh, and so they'll give you money to take care of yourself means to go and wear a daniela weave or to slick back your edges or to slick back your natural hair or to you know like flat iron it into a pin straight form yeah. otherwise your debt will think eh, this person must be dirty and unclean. yeah yeah Yes. So for me to wear my natural hair is me commi- committing to be to be truthful and authentic, you know, because it does not nourish your soul to move further and further away from yourself because you have to, you have to keep on investing in this self-deception and mass deception and this whole uh, you know mass psychosis, you know, of hiding who you are in order to fit in. And in the end you become lost and you become unrooted, you know. You you gain keep on gaining empty things that must be maintained through further deception. It's continuously tasking. And wow. so it I feel that it's a better investment to invest in truth and authenticity because while it may um someone may think it's hard to maintain natural hair it's actually much easier to do that than to get burnt every day or to sit for those alone hours or to spend money that you don't have or you don't want to spend or can better be used and to be loved for who you are other than you know waking up and trying to maintain each day and each yeah of an image of something that's so alien to you mm. so for me wearing my natural hair is as deep as this and wow. I, I, as what you just said <laughs> oh my that's God. why i stay on the journey <laughs> yeah thank you for listening to nyamshana's podcast you have been a wonderful listener until next time bye bye